Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We're continuing our reading of the Srimad Bhagavatam. We're on the second canto, second chapter, 32nd verse. And Shukadeva Goswami is speaking. Yes. Your Majesty, Maharaj Prikshit, know that all that I have described in reply to your proper inquiry is just according to the version of the Vedas, and it is eternal truth. This was described personally by Lord Krishna unto Brahma, with whom the Lord was satisfied upon being properly worshipped. The two different ways of reaching the spiritual sky and thereby getting emancipation from all material bondage, namely either the direct process of reaching the kingdom of God or the gradual process through the other higher planet planets of the universe are set forth exactly according to the version of the Vedas. The Vedic versions in this connection are Yadasarve Pramuchante Kama Yesya Hridi Shrita Ata Martyo Mrito Bhavatyatra Brahma Samashnute from the Brihat Aranyaka Upanishad. From where? And Ter Chir Abhisam Bhavanti from the Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad again, quote, those who are free from all material desires, which are diseases of the heart, are able to conquer death and enter the kingdom of God through the archy planets. These Vedic versions corroborate the version of the Srimad Bhagavatam, and the latter is further confirmed by Shukadeva Goswami, who affirms that the truth was disclosed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna, Vasudev, to Brahma, the first authority on the Vedas. The disciplic succession holds that the Vedas were uttered by Lord Krishna to Brahma, by Brahma to Narada, and by Narada to Vyasadeva, and then by Vyasadeva to Shukadeva Goswami, and so on. So there is no difference between the versions of all the authorities. The truth is eternal, and as such, there cannot be any new opinion about the truth. That is the way of knowing the knowledge contained in the Vedas. It is not a thing to be understood by one's erudite scholarship or by the fashionable interpretations of mundane scholars. Could please look up erudite. There is nothing to be added and nothing to be subtracted because the truth is the truth. One has to accept, after all, some authority. The modern scientists are also authorities for the common man for some scientific truths. The common man follows the version of the scientist. This means that the common man follows the authority. The Vedic knowledge is also received in that way. The common man cannot argue about what is beyond the sky or beyond the universe. He must accept the versions of the Vedas as they are understood by the authorized disciplic succession. In the Bhagavad Gita also, the same process of understanding the Gita is stated in the fourth chapter. If one does not follow the authoritative version of the Acharyas, he will vainly search after the truth mentioned in the Vedas. Erudite means? Microphones? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. 
Rama Rama Hare Hare. Hirdai is an adjective having no, having or showing great knowledge or learning. And the etymology for it says um, it's from the early 15th century, learned well instructed from Latin eruditus, learned well, uh, learned, accomplished, well informed, past participle of erudire, to educate, teach, instruct, polish, literally to bring out of the rough, from assimilated form of ex, which means out, um, and rudis, unskilled, rough, unlearned. Rudis means? Rudis means unskilled, rough, unlearned. And the two go together? Yes. Uh, How? Uh, How do you get learned from unskilled and unlearned? Is it X? Yeah. Like it's canceling it? Yeah, X. Okay. Air, what's the preface? The prefix? Um. Air, which means not? Which means, uh, wait. Our X means out. Okay. And that turns into air? Yeah. Erudite. Not, so it's saying it's, you're not unskilled. Erudite, right? Okay, thank you. Erudites, it sounds like a kind of god or something, or a goddess, doesn't it? Is it a capital Eruditus when it says that? Text number 33. Yes? No. No. For those who are wandering in the material universe, there is no more auspicious means of deliverance than what is aimed at the direct devotional service of Lord Krishna. As will be clarified in the next verse, devotional service or direct bhakti yoga is the only absolute and auspicious means of deliverance from the grip of material existence. There are many indirect methods for deliverance from the clutches of material existence, but none of them is as easy and auspicious as bhakti yoga. The means of jnana and yoga and other allied disciplines are not independent in delivering a performer. Such activities help one to reach the stage of bhakti yoga after many, many years. In the Bhagavad Gita 12.5, it is said that those who are attached to the impersonal feature of the absolute are liable to many troubles in the pursuit of their desired goal. And the empiricist philosophers searching after the absolute truth realized the importance of Vasudev realization as all in all after many, many births. As far as yoga systems are concerned, it is also said in the Bhagavad Gita 647 that amongst the mystics, who pursue the absolute truth, the one who is always engaged in the service of the Lord is the greatest of all. And the last instruction in the Bhagavad Gita 1866 advises fully surrendering unto the Lord, leaving aside all other engagements of, or different processes for self-realization and liberation from material bondage. And the purport of all Vedic literatures is to induce one to accept the transcendental loving service of the Lord by all means. As already explained in the texts of Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, either direct bhakti yoga or the means which ultimately culminate in bhakti yoga without any tinge of fruit of activity constitutes the highest form of religion. Everything else is simply a waste of time for the performer. Srila Sridhar Swami and all other Acharyas like Jiva Goswami agree that Bhakti Yoga is the only easy, simple, natural, and Srila uh, <clears throat> Sridhar Swami and all other Acharyas like Jiva Goswami agree that Bhakti Yoga is not only easy, simple, natural, and free from trouble. But uh, uh, the, there's a period instead of a comma, but is the only source of happiness 
for the human being. That might be a, a good addition to the presentation that this is teaches an easy, simple, natural, and free from trouble form. And it's the only source of happiness for the human being. 34. The great personality Brahma, with great attention and concentration of the mind, studied the Vedas, studied the Vedas three times. And after scrutinizingly examining them, he ascertained that attraction for the Supreme Personality of God is Sri Krishna is the highest perfection of religion. What's the highest perfection of religion? Correct. Sri Shukadev Goswami is referring to the highest Vedic authority, Lord Brahma, who is the qualitative incarnation of Godhead. The Vedas were taught to Brahmaji in the beginning of the material creation. Although Brahmaji was to hear Vedic instructions directly from the personality of Godhead, in order to satisfy the inquisitiveness of all prospective students of the Vedas, Brahmaji, just like a scholar, studied the Vedas three times, and as generally done by all scholars. He studied with great attention, concentrating on the purpose of the Vedas, and after scrutinizingly examining the whole process, he ascertained that becoming a pure unalloyed devotee of the Supreme Personality of God, Sri Krishna, is the topmost perfection of all religious principles. And this is the last instruction of the Bhagavad Gita directly presented by the Personality of Godhead. The Vedic conclusion is thus accepted by all Acharyas, and those who are against this conclusion are only Vedavada Ratas, as explained in the Bhagavad Gita 2.42. Bhagavan Sarvabhuteshu, everyone please say. Lakshita Swatmana Hari, Drishyar Buddhyadi Birdrashta, Lakshanair Anu Mapakahe, Bhagavan, the Personality of Godhead, Sarva, all, Bhuteshu, in the living entities. Lakshita is visible, Swaatmana, along with the self. Hari, the Lord, Drishyai, by what is seen, Buddhi Adibi, Buddhi Adibi, by intelligence, Drishta, one who sees, Lakshanai, by different signs. Anumapakai by hypothesis. By by hypothesis. I said hypothesis, sorry. So um, now, if you can try this for a minute to listen to this um, verse and purport, you want to close your eyes and meditate on the verse. Can you do it? Okay, no sleeping. Okay, close your eyes. Just focus, concentrate. The personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna, is in every living being, along with the individual soul. And this fact is perceived and hypothesized in our acts of seeing and taking help from the intelligence. The general argument of the common man is that since the Lord is not visible to our eyes, how can one either surrender unto him or render transcendental loving service unto him? To such a common man, here is a practical suggestion given by Srila Shukadeva Goswami as to how one can perceive the Supreme Lord by reason and perception. Actually, the Lord is not perceivable by our present materialized senses. But when one is convinced of the presence of the Lord by a practical service attitude, there is a revelation by the Lord's mercy. And such a pure devotee of the Lord can perceive the Lord's presence always and everywhere. He can perceive that intelligence is the form direction 
of the Paramatma plenary portion of the Personality of Godhead. The presence of Paramatma in everyone's company is not very difficult to realize, even for the common man. Okay, get ready. The procedure is as follows. Now, follow this as you hear it. One can perceive one's self-identification and feel positively that he exists. He may not feel it very abruptly, but by using a little intelligence, he can feel that he is not the body. He can feel that the hand, the leg, the head, the hair, and the limbs are all his bodily parts and parcels. But as such, the hand, the leg, the head, etc., cannot be identified with his self. Therefore, just by using intelligence, he can distinguish and separate his self from other things that he sees. So the natural conclusion is that the living being, either man or beast, is the seer, and he sees besides himself all other things. So there is a difference between the seer and the seen. Now, by a little use of intelligence, we can also readily agree that the living being who sees the things beyond himself by ordinary vision has no power to see or to move independently. All our ordinary actions and perceptions depend on various forms of energy supplied to us by nature in various combinations. Our senses of perception and of action, that is to say, our five perceptive senses of one, hearing, two, touch, three, sight, four, taste, and five, smell, as well as our five senses of action, namely one, hands, two, legs, three, speech, four, evacuation organs, and five, reproductive organs, and also our three subtle senses, namely one, mind, two, intelligence, and three, ego, 13 senses in all, are supplied to us by various arrangements of gross and subtle forms of energy. And it is equally evident that our objects of perception are nothing but the products of the inexhaustible permutations and combinations of the forms taken by material energy. As this conclusively proves that the ordinary living being has no independent power of perception or of motion, and as we undoubtedly feel our existence being conditioned by nature's energy, we conclude that he who sees is spirit and that the senses as well as the objects of perception are material. Let's just um, review what we just heard for a second of Brahma. Uh, how was it uh, closing your eyes and listening? Was it harder or easier? It was harder? Sorry. <laughs> what did you... Uh, glean from what we just read. It's kind of an exercise he's offering to anyone to be able to perceive the super soul as the intelligence. Is there, were there any points that struck you? Yes. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. The point which struck me was uh, at one point, it was, in the beginning it was mentioned that uh, when someone has service attitude, then the Lord reveals himself mm -hmm. to that person. So that was Service that attitude. Point. Yeah, that was a powerful point. What else did you get out of this? Yes. And uh, I think there was one line about the intelligence. Uh, you can sense that it is, you know, like a direction from the Lord. Form direction of yeah. the super soul. So if you can observe your intelligence coming to you, you can see. That's coming from Super Soul. You could, anyone can do that, right? Yes. Um, in school, we had this, um, like in college, I mean, we had this um, like self-care workshop thing that we were required, or like some people were required to attend. And what they were talking about was meditation, like silent meditation with like breath work and how uh, once you continue breathing, quietly you're able to quiet your mind and listen to your inner intuition and they're saying how like trust your intuition you already know like what you need etc and that just like really shows paramatma's power 
because that intuition, when everyone says trust your intuition or your intelligence, that's actually when you take the time to listen to Paramatma. Nice. Yeah. If there, hardly anyone does take the time. You just take it for granted, right? So taking a moment to observe it and objectify it is important. So I have one reflection and one question. So my reflection is based on Avantika's point. So when you, I was I was thinking that you know when you told us to close the eyes and th then think that you know uh, these the body parts are not me, and it's so uh, amazing to realize that you know you are different. The body is different from who you are, and um, and just just by doing this exercise, you know one can realize that. Um, so this was one, and then. Uh, my question is that um, so there were uh, in when when you read seers, uh, I think uh, Prabhupada was mentioning the first seer is uh, you yourself, and then there's the second seer who's the super soul, right? Uh, I was not uh, sure about uh, what is what is seen here. Is it the uh, I think in the last line was he referring to the scene as the super soul? Uh, the ob object, we already mentioned that it's an object. So wh what was exactly that? Uh, can you please? In that context, it's a parallel to the verse in the Bhagavad Gita, Shetragnam Chapi Mambidhi Sarva Shetri Shubharata, Shetra Shetragnayorgyanam Yatachgyanam Matambama, that there's, Krishna's describing how there are two conscious beings within the, within the field, which is material, and they're both seers. In other words, both of them have the have cognition. That's how, in that context, it means there are two seers in one body. They're both seeing. They both have the capability of seeing. Is how I, I take it in that context. But what was seeing? Seeing. Yes, yeah, seer. There was seen also, right? Some um, the object. Object is Lord here. Could we hear the? section you're referring to again? The last line, I guess. Last, last, line. last, last two lines, probably. Okay. As this conclusively proves that the ordinary living being has no independent power of perception or of motion, and as we undoubtedly feel our existence being conditioned by nature's energy, we conclude that he who sees is spirit and that the senses as well as the objects of perception are material. Was that it? Somewhere there was the scene as well, so I was uh, confused whether seen as the super soul or, or something else. I, I okay, we'll see it. if you can find it. Yes, yes. yes right. And the other, I mean, in that context, he who sees is spirit means one who has the capability of seeing, because matter doesn't see. We objectify matter. Yes. Two, two more, and then we'll go on. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Maharaj, a question. Uh, you, you, you mentioned, I mean, we read that uh, the Lord uh, comes with the individual soul. Yes, you know, I mean, my understanding is a Paramatma. So when we focus on the name of the Lord, it is called Bhakti. But when a person focuses on Paramatma, you know, it is not considered Bhakti rather than Dhyan Yoga, is my understanding. But, you know, it is said it's the same forearm form of Vishnu or, or Krishna. So, I mean, I, I don't understand why is it not Bhakti? It's just uh, maybe a technical question. Because I feel anyone concentrating on the form of the Lord is bhakti just curious we're we're all seeing the form of the lord either in the shape of the virat rupa or the paramatma or some are seeing krishna directly as kishore or shamsundar but it's dependent on the on the attitude of the seer so there's uh paramatma but the mood of those who see Paramatma or have relationship with Paramatma, the idea is that I, I want my maintenance. 
and the Paramatma is controlling the material nature and reciprocating the desires of the living entity in the material world. So when a yogi is meditating on Paramatma, there's an element of bhakti, and Prabhupada pointed that out in the previous purport, that you can't be successful in dhyan or jnan or karma without having an element of bhakti. That's the part, that's the active ingredient, like in a mint. You get all these fillers and then you say active ingredient, menthol. <laughs> so the active ingredient for any kind of process is the bhakti. But there's different degrees of bhakti. And in the progression of the shikshashtakam, you find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saying, na dhanam na janam na sundarim kavitam vaja gadisha, jagadisha kamayit. Jagadisha means, oh Lord of the universe, I don't want anything anymore. <laughs> Like that's the that's the relationship with the living entities and Paramatma in the material world, is gimme gimme gimme, and uh, Paramatma is supplying everything. And now Mahaprabhu is saying, I don't want anything anymore. So it it it's wholly dependent on the eyes of the beholder, because there's no difference between Paramatma and Krishna except the mood, because when a person develops a mood of pure love. All for Krishna, I don't want anything. Then, premanjana churita bhakti vilochanena santaksadeva hridayeshu vilokayanti yam shama sundaram achintya gunasvarupam govindamari purusham tamaham bhajami He's not seeing forearm paramatma, he's seeing shama sundar, Krishna. And if you look at the picture of Hanuman, you know, you see around her, because he's going like this. You don't see Paramatma inside. Who do you see? Sita Ram. <laughs> and so it's, it's the, uh, the mood of the devotee. And then Krishna reciprocates by showing himself in a particular way, according to how we approach him. Yeyata mam prapadyante tamstataiva bhajamyaham mama vart manavartante manusha partasarvasha. Hare Krishna. Okay, last one. We have one from Zoom also. Oh, okay. All right. Hi, Hi Krishna Guru Maharaj. Yes, Devarata, good to see you. Nice to be seen. Are you in Alaska? Uh, Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Utah. Close, oh, Utah, okay. Nearby. <laughs> so uh, I, was, um, I was listening to Prabhupada memories yesterday, and Govinda Dasi was mentioning that there was this time they were on the beach in Hawaii. And the crabs were crawling out, and then they, they kind of scurried back into their home. And Prabhupada said, he said, you see, the scientists, they're all saying that this is instinct. But actually, it's just like this. If you come into this house, and you know where the restroom is, and then 20 years later, you come back, and then you know where that same restroom is. Similarly, when you're born in the womb, and then you, you take birth from the womb, the first thing you do is you go looking for your, your mother's breast to be fed. So there's two things that are existing, the experience of the living entity and the guidance of the Paramatma. And so Govinda Dasi says that when Prabhupada was talking about this, she had this profound realization that actually this whole idea of instinct, she, she'd been raised as a Darwinist her entire life and she didn't even know it. But actually the entire world is being guided by the Paramatma and the living entity's experience with the, with the world previously. And so hearing this purport was kind of rehashing that realization. And I thought when Govinda Dasi said that, I thought it was just so profound how we're just all being guided by the, the input of the, of the Paramatma at every moment. And uh, it's something that can be easily overlooked. But if one, as like Prabhupada says in the purport, if one uses a little bit of intelligence, they can see how they're being guided every moment by a higher intelligence and it's being provided to them. Nice. Sadhu, sadhu. Well done. Beautiful. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Um, I was appreciating uh, the point that Prabhupada is mentioning. The first step in the procedure of self-identification of Paramatma is to feel positively that one exists. And I was... Uh, I was um, so I think it was during Janmashtami you were asked this question that is Krishna real? And your first statement was, uh, well, first you can say, are you real? Do you exist? So I was trying to connect then. Yeah. How can you prove that you exist? Can you prove it? 
you can't really prove it empirically that yeah, I exist. Otherwise, you'll have circular reasoning. See, I, I'm, I'm here, right? It's like you can't use the same thing to prove what you're trying to, an element of the same thing to prove it. But, but you know you exist because it's self-evident that when you wake up in the morning, it's like, yeah, I'm here. I, I, I can see. I can experience. Yeah, it's an important point because it's not something that can be it, it is uh, something that's self-effulgent uh, and self-revealing. Okay, last one. Maharaj, the first statement of the purport, I think I'm paraphrasing because I had my eyes closed, but it was mentioning that everybody wants to see the Lord. Everybody wants to see the Lord uh, in a paraphrased way, but actually the experience of God revealing yourself is the Paramatma feature who's there in your heart. So I was meditating on the two verses in Bhagavad Gita towards the end, 1861 and 62. And Lord says that actually one should meditate on the Paramatma or you know, one should establish his relationship with the Paramatma uh, who's, riding, who's giving you the direction. So it's not that the Lord does not want us to have a relationship with Paramatma. Even Bhakti Yoga, before we go to the final conclusion, he says that in that section that Paramatma has to, you have to realize the Paramatma. He has to be there. So, God consciousness includes Paramatma realization, isn't it, Maharaj? So, that's what I was meditating because Prabhupada says in the first purpose, first line of that purpose. Sure. In fact, one of the stories that Krishna tells to Uddhava in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam is about the Avatuta, Brahmana, and he, Krishna, points out that. The Avaduta Pramana had was taking direct instruction from the Super Soul uh, th through the intelligence, and then if if one purifies one's intelligence, then the intelligence acts as one's Shikshaguru, as Krishna is there instructing from within. And later, Uddhava prays to Krishna, saying, "I can never repay you because you appear in my heart as the Chaita Guru." And externally, then, you manifest as the guru who lights the path externally as well. And you're always there in those various forms, inwardly and outwardly, to guide me on your own path. Thank you. Okay, really, last one. Guru Maharaj, uh, I just wanted to remind myself because I forgot. If, if God is inside us and he's guiding us and he's outside us and guiding us, why do we need both? Can I just be happy with God inside me? Like the Avadhuta Brahmana was sitting there. And he well, there's happy. the book Bhagavata and there's the person Bhagavat, and there's, there's no difference between the two except for the person Bhagavata can grab you by the ear and say, hey, read the book. And Similarly, the super soul within, I may be so zoned out and looking at a screen somewhere, and then the guru said, hey, ring the bell, wake up, uh, time to go to Artik. So there's a practical way that the external manifestation of the super soul works. Bhaktivinoda Thakur also says about the guru that there's a way that one's uh, um, relating locally to the guru. In other words, we see, oh, this person's like a friend. There's, uh, you know, is and is there with me. It's easier to see and to feel because it's natural in our relationships in the world that we have them externally. And we may not always hear the super soul, but when we have a relationship with guru, then we're feeling that guidance externally, and then it harmonizes with the inner voice. And we say, oh yeah, same voice, saying same thing. Like also reading Bhagavad Gita. Reading that, and then you say, yeah, that's the same thing, hopefully, that I'm hearing. <laughs> it, in other words, it resonates. That's why when people read the Bhagavad Gita, they say, oh yeah, this is real. I can feel this, because Super Soul is also saying, I told you this before. <laughs> And then it's there in the, in, in, you know, it's all written out for you. <laughs> okay, yeah, really, really last one. Because you were 
trying to see the difference in you know super soul and the lord outside or the guru so i was thinking one difference i could like think of is that we can serve the guru or the lord if he's outside but paramatma he's doing everything for us we can't like do any service to the paramatma so i just thought of that yeah that's nice and it's also mentioned that krishna is always trying to serve his devotee but devotees don't want any service from krishna so if you can serve the devotee, then Krishna becomes pleased. And so there's definitely that service attitude. You know, you can bring a glass of water or you can, you know, uh, hold on to the the mission of the, the guru. And it's very practical, tangible. Thank you. It's important. Okay. The spiritual quality of the seer is manifest in our dissatisfaction with the limited state of materially conditioned existence. You don't have to keep your eyes closed since it, the experiment. We, that is the difference between matter and spirit. It's one of my favorite um, two sentences in Prabhupada's books. The spiritual quality of the seer is manifest in our dissatisfaction with the limited state of materially conditioned existence. That is the difference between spirit and matter. There are some less intelligent arguments that matter develops the power of seeing and moving as a certain organic development, but such an argument cannot be accepted because there is no experimental evidence that matter has anywhere produced a living entity. Trust no future, however pleasant. Idle talks regarding future development of matter into spirit are actually foolish because no matter has ever developed the power of seeing or moving in any part of the world. Therefore, it is definite that matter and spirit are two different identities. And this conclusion is arrived at by the use of intelligence. Now we come to the point that the things which are seen by a little use of intelligence cannot be animate unless we accept someone as the higher authority and the living and the living being cannot see or move or eat or do anything without use of intelligence when one fails to take advantage of intelligence he becomes a deranged man and so a living being is dependent on intelligence or the direction of a superior being such intelligence is all pervading every living being has his intelligence has his intelligence and this intelligence being the direction of some higher authority is just like a father giving direction to his son. The higher authority who is present and residing within every individual being is the super self. At this point of our investigation, we may consider the following question. On the one hand, we realize that all our perceptions and activities are conditioned by arrangements of material nature. Yet we also ordinarily feel and say, I am perceiving or I am doing. Therefore, we can say that our material senses of perception and action are moving because we are identifying the self with the material body and that the superior pr principle of super self is guiding and supplying us according to our desire. By taking advantage of the guidance of super self in the form of intelligence, we can either continue to study and to put into practice our conclusion that I am not this body, or we can choose to remain in the false material identification, fancying ourselves to be the possessors and doers. Our freedom consists in orienting our desire either toward the ignorant material misconception or the true spiritual conception we can easily attain to the true spiritual conception by recognizing the super-self, Paramatma, to be our friend and guide, and by dovetailing our intelligence with the superior intelligence of Paramatma. The super-self and the individual self are both spirit, and therefore the super-self and the individual self are both qualitatively one and distinct from matter. But the super self and the individual self cannot be on the same, on the equal, on an equal level because the super self gives direction or supplies intelligence and the individual self follows the direction and thus actions are performed properly. 
The individual is completely dependent on the direction of the super-self because in every step, the individual self follows the direction of the super-self in the matter of seeing, hearing, thinking, feeling, willing, etc. You know in a kirtan when you're going along and then there's the third part where it, the kirtan really comes uh, where alive and you're able to um, elevate a little more. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna. You know that part? That's this part in the purport. <laughs> Coming up next, this last part. Ready? So, so far as common sense is concerned, we come to the conclusion that there are three identities namely matter, spirit, and super-spirit. Now, if we go to the Bhagavad Gita or the Vedic intelligence, Vedic intelligence, we can further understand that there are three identities, namely matter, individual spirit, and the super-spirit. All are dependent on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The super-self is a partial representation or plenary portion of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Bhagavad Gita affirms that the Supreme Personality of Godhead dominates all over the material world by his partial representation only. God is great, and he cannot be simply an order supplier of the individual selves. Therefore, the super-self cannot be a full representation of the Supreme Self, Purushottam, the Absolute Personality of Godhead. Realization of the super-self by the individual self is the beginning of self-realization, and by the progress of such self-realization, one is able to realize the Supreme Personality of Godhead by intelligence, by the help of authorized scriptures, and principally by the grace of the Lord. Hare Krishna. Hare Bo. The Bhagavad Gita is the preliminary conception of the Personality of Godhead Sri Krishna, and Srimad Bhagavatam is the further explanation of the science of Godhead. So if we stick to our determination and pray for the mercy of the director of intelligence sitting within the same bodily tree, like a bird sitting with another bird, as explained in the Upanishads, certainly the purport of the revealed information of the Vedas becomes clear to our vision, and there is no difficulty in realizing the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vasudev. The intelligent man, therefore, after many births of such use of intelligence, surrenders himself at the lotus feet of Vasudev, as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 7.19. Bravo! Sadhu, sadhu. So, the logic in the last part is that the uh, Supreme Personality, would anybody like to reflect it back? How Prabhupada leads to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Yes, Prabhu. The one statement that I remember from the last paragraph was, he said the three entities, matter, spirit, and the super-spirit are dependent on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Right. And yes, uh, Sundarananda Prabhu. Prabhupada talks about how the Supreme Personality of God had, um, uh, he just cannot be um, just an order supplier and that you know there is more to the Personality of Godhead and that's how uh, distinguishes between the Super Spirit and the Supreme Personality of God. Yeah, so Prabhupada takes us to this point of understanding that there is a Super Spirit who's guiding us but then because God has his own life he can't just be there like, you know, hey, I need an, another order of fries. You know, the, he, there has to be a, uh, you know, the full-fledged uh, personality of Godhead. So we can understand logically that that's not all. There's more. There's God with his own life, uh, not simply attending to the desires of the conditioned soul. Yes. Yes. 
Guru Maharaj, if, if um, the, the Paramatma in my heart is a partial expansion, and then the Lord we see on the altar is also an expansion, when do I as a devotee really realize the Supreme? When do I know I've, met, I've got to Bhagavan? That's explained in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, Samoham sarva bhuteshu nami dvesho stinapriya. Ye bhajanti tumam bhaktiya mai te teshu chapyaham. So this verse has two halves. And the first half is describing what we heard in the first section of this purport. And that is samoham sarva bhuteshu. Krishna says, I'm just equal to everybody. Whatever you want, I'm arranging. You want to be a pig? I'll make you a pig. You want to... Uh, and so that's, that's the relationship with the super spirit in the material world. But when you get your bhajan on, ye bhajanti tumam bhaktiya. Then when you get enlivened by Lord Chaitanya's representative, and then you say, okay, now I know... God has a personal form. He has desires. He has senses. I want to please his senses. That's bhajan. And you start to do activities to please Krishna's senses. Ye bhajanti tumam bhaktiya. You become a devotee. Then uh, what happens is uh, Krishna says, I'm in you and you're in me. Now that's unusual because if you look at the beginning of the ninth chapter, Krishna says, there's everything but I'm not in it. <laughs> it's going on. It's all me, but I'm, I'm, I'm also aloof. But when bhakti starts, then he says, I'm in there. I'm completely in. And you're in me, I'm in you. We're inseparable. And so that's the, the, the change of heart that's being talked about in this, in this um, a chapter about Shukadeva Goswami. It's a gradual progression he's taking us through. We have some relationship with God. We don't even know it. And then he says, look, look at nature. It's organized. See how the flowers start popping up when the sun comes up? So how's that happening? And then you start to feel like, yeah, there's a divine intelligence, super spirit in the whole world. You feel all-pervading uh, existence. You say, no, it's, it's actually personal. To see the hairs on the body it's the trees and then the veins or the, the rivers and the birds. You know, that's obviously an artist did that. The, there's no other <laughs> explanation for that. And so then you start thinking, yeah, person, person, person. And you say, yeah, he's in here. And he's like this. And then when there's this mood of, I want to serve him. How can I serve him? Then, ye bhajanti tu mambhaktya, maite teshu chapyaham. Then the relationship changes. Just like Arjuna we watch him change his relationship with Krishna all of a sudden. We can change our relationship with Krishna by, instead of being like a little baby, I want everything for me. Then when the kid grows up and thinks, wow, my parents are, they really sacrificed for me. Not only that, they're pretty intelligent, pretty cool. And, you know, let me do something for them now. And the relationship changes. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Uh, my, I have two uh, small questions. So one is uh, when we think that uh, I want to see Krishna and some devotee said we don't, I want to have his darshan and then some devotee says we shouldn't bother Krishna just for ourselves and he has to take trouble, whatever. Is it right mode? Like can we desire that I want to have his like... I can see Krishna, or is it right mood, or how, how is it? Is it a disturbance to Krishna to want to see him and say, please? Like, if, if I want to, like, uh, see, if I desire that I want to, please give me darshan. And then some devotee said, it's not Shuddha, we, are, we shouldn't bother Krishna for darshan, we shouldn't ask. For there's like I want to see Krishna, then Krishna has to. Is it right to ask? Like, well, it's not wrong to want to see God. It's better than not wanting to see Him or saying there is no God. But the concept of darshan, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, fine-tuned for us. 
So darshan doesn't mean that I go to see Krishna and I want to see him, but it means I want to work in such a way that he sees me. And so Srila Bhaktisiddhanta, to be demonstrative about this, came to the temple and he would um, not wear his glasses. He, he couldn't see that far without his glasses. And they say, Guru Maharaj, you, you, know, you need your glasses to see the deity. He say, no, I'm here for them to see me. Just like Devavrata said, good to be seen. That's the mood of the devotee. Not that, I, you know, come on, Krishna, show yourself. Uh, but, uh, of course, we need to see Krishna. We need to see the deity. Otherwise, our eyes will go somewhere else. In fact, I wrote it down in or somebody wrote it down in a little book yesterday that this liberation means to be free from attraction to anything else except for Krishna. And so how are we going to get that unless we want to see Krishna? And devotees of Krishna will travel, like you see in India. When you go on pilgrimage, you meet these pilgrims. All the money they have in the world, they you know, put it together, and then they traveled to Govardhan Hill so the kids could do Dandavat Parikrama around instead of going to Disneyland. And and they, they came to see God. It, you know, everywhere they come to see Krishna, and it's really important. So that's not wrong, but the mood is that work in such a way that Krishna will see you and be in the mood that he'll, he'll have your... He'll be looking at you, and when he looks at you, then... Your life is complete. What else do you need? Thank you so much, Guru sure. Maharaj. And the other question is, when you said um, purify our intelligence, so by doing bhakti, chanting, and seva, then that's the best way to purify our intelligence, correct? Correct. So, so we heard in the last paragraph, Prabhupada referred to the Bhagavad Gita as the Vedic intelligence. So uh, he also says, does Krishna, at the end of the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, by hearing this dialogue, studying it, you are uh, worshiping me by your intelligence. And when we worship Krishna by your intelligence, by reading Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, the intelligence becomes purified. It doesn't come up with stupid ideas anymore. Or when it does, then, then you hear, ye shastra vinamutsri javartate kamakarata. If you do that, you're not going to get the goal. You're not going to get happiness. You know? And so you're, you're guided careful by Krishna's potent words in the Bhagavad Gita. Your intelligence becomes sharp like that. Okay, a couple more. Thank you so much, Hare Krishna. Uh, thank you very much, Danavari, for your excellent questions. O King, it is therefore essential that every human being hear about, glorify, and remember the Supreme Lord, the personal, personality of Godhead always and everywhere. Srila Shukadeva Goswami begins this verse with the word tasmat, or therefore, because in the previous verse he, had already, he has already explained that there is no auspicious means for salvation other than the sublime process of bhakti yoga. The bhakti yoga process is practiced by the devotees in different methods like hearing, chanting, remembering, serving the lotus feet of the Lord, worshiping, praying, rendering service in love, becoming friendly, and offering all that one may possess. All nine methods are bona fide methods, and either of them, some of them, or even one of them, can bring about the desired result for the sincere devotee. But out of all the nine different methods, the first one, namely hearing, is the most important function in the process of bhakti yoga. Without hearing sufficiently and properly, no one can make any progress by any of the methods of practice. And for hearing only, all the Vedic literatures are there compiled by authorized persons like Vyasadeva, who is the powerful incarnation of Godhead. And since it has been ascertained that the Lord is the supersoul of everything, he should therefore be heard and glorified everywhere and always. That is the special duty of the human being. 
When the human being gives up the process of hearing about the all-pervading personality of Godhead, he becomes victim to hearing rubbish transmitted by man-made machines. Machinery is not bad because through the machine one can take advantage of hearing about the Lord, but because machinery is used for ulterior purposes, it is creating rapid degradation in the standard of human civilization. It is said here that it is incumbent upon the human beings to hear because the scriptures like Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam are made for that purpose. Living beings other than human beings have no ability to hear such Vedic literatures. If human society gives itself to the process of hearing and hearing the Vedic literatures, it will not become a victim to the impious sounds, impious sounds, that's a good phrase, uh, vibrated by impious men who degrade the standards of the total society. God, that's so pertinent, isn't it? May I read it again? Okay, three people, everyone else cover your ears. If human society gives itself to the process of hearing the Vedic literature, it will not become a victim to the impious sounds vibrated by impious men who degrade the standards of the total society. Huh? These things are going on. Hearing is solidified by the process of chanting. One who has perfectly heard from the perfect source becomes convinced about the all-pervading personality of Godhead and thus becomes enthusiastic in glorifying the Lord. All the great acharyas like Ramanuja, Madhva, Chaitanya, Saraswati Thakur, or even in other countries, Muhammad, Christ, and others, have all extremely glorified the Lord by chanting always and in every place. Because the Lord is all-pervading, it is essential to glorify Him always and everywhere. In the process of glorifying the Lord, there should be no restriction of time and space. This is called Sanatan Dharma or Bhagavata Dharma. Sanatan means eternal, always and everywhere. Bhagavata means pertaining to Bhagavan, the Lord. The Lord is the master of all time and all space, and therefore the Lord's holy name must be heard, glorified, and remembered everywhere in the world. That will bring about the desired peace and prosperity so eagerly awaited by the people of the world. The word cha includes all the remaining processes or methods of bhakti yoga as mentioned above. Naveen and Prabhu, would you like to give a commentary or say anything of any kind? So nice to have you here. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. The process works and the sound vibration is doing its job. From hearing from the right source for a very long time is recommended and abstaining from sound vibration that is increasing our material propensities, our material attachments is recommended. So thank you for keeping the spiritual sound vibration going and reminding us of our higher purpose. We're all in service separation, uh, remembering our readings in Govardhan. But bhakti is absolute, so there is no lacking. And that separation is very sweet. So thank you for keeping it going. Thank you, Prabhu. But wherever it's going on, that's, that's always where you are. Something I've noticed. Uh, but uh, how was it in Govardhan? What's it like there during Kartik hearing and chanting? Do you have any memories of, of that kind of experiment we've been doing there for the last 20 years? It's a yagya. It's, it's a sacrifice. So there's some heat being generated and, and felt on the mark when, when we have that part of the yagya and then also the hearing and the interacting with devotees and everything that's superfluous becomes eliminated because there's simply no time or energy. So it is a blessing to be engaged in that sankirtan yagya. It, it refines our, our consciousness, our, our persona. I always felt like I'm walking out there a different person than, than when I arrived. 
Thank you, Prabhu. And it's just your statement at the end about how it can be done anywhere, at any time, place is really what this verse is saying. It's one of those just add water products. You know, you have, there's a lot of them they use for backpacking. It's, you just add water. You've got yourself, uh, whatever it is, <laughs> it just reconstitutes. And with the hearing process, wherever one may be, if you set up a forum for hearing, as Naveen and Prabhu, I noticed you said for a long time, here for a long enough time, then there's a way that you feel the transformation, which is really important. You feel yourself improved. And also, it's important to become attracted to that environment, that that's where I want to be. I always noted that at these kind of festivals like we have at uh, Vrindavan for Kartik, there's different layers. For instance, if you're around Vrindavan and you go to the programs, it's very sweet. But there's also a lot of social interaction uh, when you walk around. Hey, where have you been? How have you been? Where do you live now? And things like that. And you can get, uh, you can be investing 30% of your time doing that also. But there's a way in which um, you have to look for the, the card game in the back room. You know, the card players, they're always hiding out somewhere. And you have to knock on the door, and then there's a little trap door they open and go, what's the password? And then you say, uh, Afghanistan, Bananistan. And then they, they open the door and let you in, and you can sit down and they'll deal you in for the card game. So there are incense-filled back rooms in devotional service also, and it's always hel helpful to look for those where there's a more intense desire to hear and chant going on and try to gravitate towards those as much as possible because the more we can sit in on that, the more we'll develop love for Krishna as per this verse. What do you think of the theory? Okay. All right, let's re read another verse. May we? It's the last one of the chapter. Those who drink through oral reception, fully filled with the nectarian message of Lord Krishna, the beloved of the devotees, purify the polluted aim of life known as material enjoyment, and thus go back to Godhead, to the lotus feet of him, the personality of Godhead. Purport, the sufferings of human society are due to a polluted aim of life, namely lording it over the material resources. The more human society engages in the exploitation of undeveloped material resources for sense gratification, the more it will be entrapped by the illusory material energy of the Lord, and thus the distress of the world will be intensified instead of diminished. The human necessities of life are fully supplied by the Lord in the shape of food grains, milk, fruit, wood, stone, sugar, silk, jewels, cotton, salt, water, vegetables, etc. In sufficient quantity to feed and care for the human race of the world as well as the living beings on each and every planet, planet within the universe. The supply source is complete, and only a little energy by the human being is required to get his necessities into, proper, into the proper channel. That's really nice. I can read it again. The supply source is complete, and only a little energy by the living being is required to get his necessities into the proper channel. I'd like to repeat that again and again. There is no need of machines and tools or huge steel plants for artificially creating comforts of life. Life is never made comfortable by artificial means. That's a good one, too. But by plain living and high thinking. The highest professional thinking for human society is suggested here by Shukadeva Goswami, namely sufficiently hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. For men in this age of Kali, when they have lost the perfect vision of life, for men in this age of Kali, when they have lost the perfect vision of life, the Srimad Bhagavatam is the torchlight by which to see the real path. Srila Jiva Goswami Prabhupada has commented, 
on the Katamritam mentioned in this verse and has indicated Srimad Bhagavatam to be the nectarian message of the Personality of Godhead. By sufficient hearing of Srimad Bhagavatam, the polluted aim of life, namely lording it over matter, will subside and the people in general in all parts of the world will be, be able to live a peaceful life of knowledge and bliss. Haribo. For a pure devotee of the Lord, any topics in relation with his name, fame, quality, entourage, etc. are all pleasing. And because such topics have been approved by great devotees like Narada, Hanuman, Nanda Maharaj, and other inhabitants of Vrindavana, certainly such messages are transcendental and pleasing to the heart and soul. And by the constant hearing of the messages of the Bhagavad Gita and later of Srimad Bhagavatam, one is assured herein by Srila Shukadeva Goswami that he will reach the Personality of Godhead and render him transcendental loving service in the spiritual planet of the name Goloka Vrindavan, which resembles a huge lotus flower. Thus, by the process of bhakti yoga directly accepted, as suggested in this verse, by sufficient hearing of the transcendental message of the Lord, the material contamination is directly eliminated without one's attempting to contemplate the impersonal virat conception of the Lord. And by practicing bhakti yoga, if the performer is not purified from the material contamination, he must be a pseudo-devotee. For such an imposter, there is no... For such an imposter, there is no remedy for being freed from material entanglement. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the second canto, second chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam entitled, The Lord of the Heart. Sadhu, <laughs> sadhu. <laughs> <laughs>